HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by TechServe, New York's original and still the best Apple computer, iPod, and iPhone store and repair shop. For more information, visit TechServe.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Border to border, coast to coast, and all the ships at sea. Streaming live from the County of Kings, Brooklyn, New York City, on the Heritage Radio Network. Are you ready for the fastest half hour on the internet today? It's the Mike and Judy Show. Spanning the globe for high-minded hijinks and low-brow kicks to bring you the best in sex, drugs, rock and roll, and nuclear fission. They're too bad for radio and too good-looking for television. And now, here they are. The Nichols and May of the Now Generation, your hosts, Mike Edison and Judy McGuire. Finally. I'm back, baby. Finally, Mike. Finally, you're back. <laughs> it's been a desolate, it's been like the desert of radio with you gone. Parched, dry, humorless. <laughs> you are a champion. You were a champion. You were amazing while I was gone. Thank I, you so I really much. Was. I really was amazing. Can you I've, say that some more? I've said it. I've said it before. I'll say it again, Judy. You are the Neoplatonic ideal of what a human being should be. That is so true. <laughs> if I was completely sure what that was means, I would be really excited. Was there any doubt I wasn't coming back? Yes, there was. You were staying in wineries. <laughs> yes. Across little old Italy, wine drinker me. Drinking wine uh, for free, kind of. Um, having your own your own giant prosciutto and slicer. I had a slicer. I was staying in this wonderful uh, winery on the Bastianich Winery in Friuli, and they gave me a prosciutto and my own slicer. Have you ever actually used the deli slicer? No, I would lose a oh, finger. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> it's terrifying. You know, fortunately, I wasn't drinking any wine at all okay. when I used the slicer. <laughs> yeah, I would have to be completely sober and caffeinated. It was not. awesome. Oh, the piles of cured meat that I created. Mm. It was wonderful. But I'm so glad to be back, and I've been looking forward to a Roberta's Pizza, which I will be comparing to Don McKellar in Napoli, which I... Oh, yeah. So Sample. from now on, it's going to be like, well, in Italy, <laughs> I this got... is good, but in Italy. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, the pizza here totally kicks ass. I love the Roberto's pizza. I think it's it's inarguable. It's absolutely fantastic pizza. But try explaining that to an Italian in Italy. Yeah. Not that there's anything you know, even, even vaguely. Well, it's like telling us that, comparable. oh, the bagels in Ohio are delicious. Yeah. 
It's not really. Yeah, made yeah. by the Mennonites in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really excited to be back, and we'll talk a little bit more about my trip. We have a fantastic guest today. I'm, I'm really, you know, absolutely thrilled to have um, a downtown legend. Once again, I'm surrounded by beautiful, by intelligent gorgeous. women. It's incredible. I am the luckiest guy on earth. I you can't really believe are. I stayed away for so long. <laughs> well, I'm, are you going to give her name <laughs> or just make our listeners guess? They're going to they're be uh, <laughs> very happy to know that we have Reverend Jen Miller with us today. You can hit the applause button in the uh, studio there. Hello. All right. Uh, Jen is a writer, uh, author, art star, performer, preacher, poet, star of many avant sexy movies, uh, truly a downtown legend, and the curator of the Troll Museum. John Waters said that when people call you a legend, it just means you're old. So apologize. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I think that's venerable. That's, isn't, isn't like venerable is like what they call old men in buildings. Oh, look, our pizza's oh, here, Mike. So you can judge it. So oh, it's tell. not like it was in Italy. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> yeah, we got. To, we normally wait for the break, but we're starving. Yeah, in welcome here. to the Mike, Mike and Judy show, Jen. You don't usually get uh, this on those low life downtown podcasts that are no. so prevalent. On the interweb. I smell the basil. The basil is turning me So what's going on? Tell us about the Troll Museum. Okay. For those those who have not been fortunate enough to experience it firsthand. In September of 2000, I looked at my apartment and decided, wait, I have like 300 trolls. Let me just open a troll museum. Why not? (laughs) And it seemed like the right thing to do. Okay, I was really stoned. (laughs) <laughs> I'll just I'll just put it out there. It was a high idea. I was yeah. I was at uh, Luna Lounge, which no longer exists, with my friend Tony, and I said, "What if I took all of my trolls and put them in that front room in the apartment and opened a troll museum?" And we hysterical laughter ensued. But the thing is, once I sobered up. I decided that it was still a good idea. How often does that happen? Very rarely. (laughs) Usually I can't remember what my ideas were. I was like, this morning I'm like, what's that idea for that movie that I had last night? You know, but it's so, and it's been successful, not monetarily, but in that people are fascinated (laughs) Well, I can't believe that someone as prolific as you has a dozen books with such esteemed publishers, Simon Schuster, Soft Skull, Skyhorse, Scholastic, you know, this is like the, the, the jewels of the publishing industry. You're the curator of your own museum. You're a movie star. You're an art star. You coined the phrase art star, and yet you're not rich and famous? I'm not uh, even. I have 80 cents in the bank. But you know what? Dorothy Parker died broke, too. So, you know. That is cold comfort, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) She she was rich, though. I mean, at one point. Yeah, she got to stay at the Algonquin and stuff. Do you you charge admission for the Troll Museum? Yes, the suggested donation is (laughs) $3,000. Do you allow children in the Troll Museum? Uh, No. Terrible. (laughs) The only children that I've recently allowed in was... uh, well, a couple have been in. Uh, Cynthia Rowley, the fashion designer, her kids came in because uh, Alan Cumming is their godfather, and he's a big fan of the Troll Museum. So we're Not talking to about- name drop or anything <laughs> like that. But and her kids were so sweet and adorable, and of course, very well dressed. Yeah, you should have traded some Yeah, you should have dropped a handbag on you or something, at least. She, she was stoked because I had her Cynthia Rally for Target collection of uh, <laughs> of dinnerware right, in the was, Troll that Museum. That was a nice collection. Also, 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 also on display in the Troll Museum. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the kitchen of the Troll Museum where everyone The has... snack bar. Yeah. I'd like to give people snacks. What kind of snacks would someone get at the Troll Museum if they paid their $3,000 admission fee? Uh, well, if they paid the $3,000, I would run down to the grocery store and buy real food. But generally, you get some cheese. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of uh, Louis uh, Bunuel, the filmmaker, who always wanted to open up a bar um, on Gran Villa in Madrid. And it would be $5,000 for a drink. They would sell $5,000 martinis. But if you bought two martinis, the bar was going to be called El uh, Canon, the Canon. And if you bought two martinis, $10,000, he would fire off a cannon right there on Grand Bia, which is sort of like Broadway going through the center of Madrid. It's like Times like, it'd be like letting it blow a cannon off in Times Square. We figured, well, he lives on the outskirts of town, and every time he heard the cannon go off, he'd say, hey, another asshole just spent $10,000 in my bar. Well, very <laughs> smart man. <laughs> um, well, again, unbelievable that with a $3,000 suggested donation. I just keep thinking someone's going to come in and do that. <laughs> I've had people pay, you know, 40 bucks for a private tour. That, That'll that keep me going. Good. Yeah, sometimes I think, oh, God, I have no money at all to my name. And then I go, wait, there's $10 in the Troll Museum suggested <laughs> donation box. Wait, you're pilfering the Troll Museum funds? Yeah. Can't you get in trouble for that with the board? No, you could actually run for mayor with a, with a <laughs> CV like that. Speaking of CVs, you have done more weird and odd jobs than either Judy or I have. You're just saying quite a bit. Yeah, really. Yeah. Like, can we start? I've been a giant frog at the Central Park Zoo. Okay. This oh, job. Who hasn't? This job is documented in my book, Elf Girl where I literally ran around in a giant frog costume getting beaten up by children. Well, oh. they did one of two things. Children are pretty extreme. They either punch you in the stomach when you have a giant frog costume on, or they give you a hug, or they're terrified of you and they run from you. So I guess three things. I've been a leprechaun at an Irish pub. I've been a Christmas elf <laughs> at Bloomingdale's. I've been a professional submissive at a dungeon. I have been. I don't, where are we going to go? From I mean, here? <laughs> David Sedaris, you nude house cleaning. He has nothing on nude you. Nude house cleaning, but that was more for journalistic purposes. <laughs> Dave Sedaris um, is one of my favorite writers, but I don't think he's had as wacky jobs mm -hmm. as I've. Yeah, no. There has been. I worked at Wiggles as a nude dancer. I was very bad at it. Where's Wiggles? Is that in Queens? It's in Queens. <laughs> How did I know? It's one of the only fully nude. Uh, places that exist in New York because Giuliani wanted to wipe out titties and 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 labia. Do they have the a world. Do they have a buffet there at Wiggles? I'm pretty sure they did, but yeah. I actually escaped like a ninja after getting hired. A nude ninja. Just reminiscing about the buffet ninja. at Billy's Topless uh, just, oh, the, just the other day. Buffets, well, I mean, back then people had pubic hair, too. Well, the buffet, I mean, it was like, what, some cocktail beers and some, like, wings of indeterminate origin. But, um, mm -hmm. I mean, seeing Billy's go really what was, you know, it was like one of those, it's that part of New York that more people claim to remember than were actually there. But it is sad that it, it has actually gone, Billy's. Yeah, I went, I went there. My friend was a dancer there in the baby doll. And so the, the baby doll also classic. Like, I don't think there was any food in the baby doll, thank God, that I recall. <laughs> Baby doll was a lot of junkies dancing around in their underwear. Oh yeah, I saw people like whose whole set consisted of like climbing on stage and taking a nap. 
Yeah, I just it was, but it was so. I mean, it was so varied. Then it was like you'd have like a fat forty-year-old, a live twenty-year-old, um, and everything in between. And now all of a sudden, it's just like women with big tits. Well, yeah, Billy's and the baby like, doll were real neighborhood joints. Yeah, they were real women. And you can get a Budweiser for I was like three fifty or something at Billy's. It wasn't really? it wasn't it wasn't expensive. I mean, you go and have a beer, and you know the girls would be, be dancing, but the game would be on TV, and it really functioned as a neighborhood bar. Well, with the titties, but it was very open. A lot of the girls were like art students and punk rockers, and you know, it was very, it was very open to the women who just weren't all siliconed up and perfect. And women went there, but I remember getting really pissed off at my now dead boyfriend, not related to the story. Um, <laughs> Dark. We, he was like, "No, it's like a neighborhood bar. It's like nothing, no big deal." So we go there. Um, maybe it was the baby doll. It was Billy's or the baby doll. Anyway, so this girl comes over, starts dancing like tits in his face, going, "Hey, Lou," and I was like. <laughs> I was like, oh, this oh, is no. good. This is not going to end well for you, my friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then he like started talking to me. So that they the had... big girls on a first name basis with your boyfriend. Well, <laughs> then there was like, you know, those plastic things that have the drink prices on them that they put mm-hmm. on the. Um... He was talking to me for too long. So she came over and she kicked it at us. He, he And I did not murder him that night. <laughs> wow, you have a lot of self-restraint. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a neighborhood bar. Speaking of self-restraint, this is a good segue. Oh, yeah. This is good. See, six weeks on the road, and I'm still good with the segue. Jen's new book, Jen Miller's new book, BDSM 101 by Reverend Jen. Tell us about this uh, new new guide to the dark side of sex. Okay, so many years ago, almost 20 years ago, I worked as a professional submissive at a dungeon, because I'm so unemployable that the only thing I could do was actually just take a beating for money. And that that's also probably a sign of mental instability, but whatever. It turned out to be an interesting job because I got to examine people's fetishes and learn a lot about the scene, which I was unfamiliar with at the time, right? And then... It took me 12 years to write a novel about it, which is still unpublished. I, I had a meeting with someone from HarperCollins, and they said, we, we can't publish this. There is a fisting scene in Chapter 3. What is this with this fisting oh and the God. publishing industry? One more thing you two beautiful, Every intelligent women have in common. My book, my book got killed. Well, not directly because of the fisting incident, but yeah, <laughs> it contributed. Apparently, anyway, but... fisting is not popular in the, uh, in the publishing world. So I write this I can't novel. can't believe there are still Puritans working in this business. Oh, they're such Puritans. Well, I, I submit it to my agent... And but then luckily enough, because I'm broke as shit, she she says, uh, hey, you know what? Now that this Fifty Shades of Grey is happening, like soccer moms need a guidebook (laughs) about how to fist and, you know, piss on each other and, you know, beat each other up, et cetera, et cetera. So, not beat each other up, but, you know, erotically tantalize each other with uh, spankings and that kind of thing. And so she asked me to then write a guidebook. So it was really more of a work for hire, something that I wrote in a month, mostly at the bar. Um, and, well, I uh, see the fisting made it to this book, though. Yeah, fisting uh, the night away. fisting the night away, <laughs> the name of one chapter. And then there's um, Golden Showers, You're in Luck. Into golden showers, and you're in luck. Behind enema lines. <laughs> so how does someone introduce enemas into their sex play, Jen? <laughs> Do tell. Well, 
we also have a chapter about communication. <laughs> and it's important to just say whatever's on your mind. If you are intimate enough with somebody uh, to put their penis into your vagina or let them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, any parts interacting, then you might as well be like, you know what? I like enemas. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I didn't just announce that I like enemas. In fact, I, I'm, I'm an asphobic. <laughs> um, so, one way street uh, in my house, baby. Exactly. And I live with a Greek. Exactly. <laughs> Definitely a one way street. My sphincter is closed for business. Well, but this would be a good time for uh, Mike to be really earnest. Um, and say that I think communication actually is where the intimacy lies in the relationship. If you can talk, that's where, that's where it's happening. When One of the most important things I learned uh, throughout my stupid jobs is I worked as a sex surrogate for a renowned sex therapist. And that doesn't mean that you are a surrogate and that you are actually boning these people, but it just means that you teach them techniques in order to have sex, right? And it was pretty rewarding, actually. You see people who've been through trauma and molestation and stuff and help them on their way to have uh, sex lives. And (laughs) I learned that so many of them, their sex lives, these couples, their sex lives were ruined because they didn't communicate. Yeah. They didn't just say, hey, I want a blowjob. Easy enough. How hard is that? Not it's, very. It's hard when you have very low self-esteem and you don't want to be rejected. Well, one, one thing I learned all the years I did um, pornography, which, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I, I unfortunately saw some people who were, like, wounded by the experience, but I thought it was very sex positive, the whole thing. And I, I realized at some point that most of your fantasies are very uh, easily realized if you just know how to act. Or, mm. you know, and be positive and not too creepy about it. I mean, most things are pretty reasonable. Yeah, you can't bring up your fantasy over and over and over again with your lover or else they'll just tell you to shut up. But one important thing, and I have a magnet from the wonderful store on Rivington Street, Babeland, on my fridge that says, um, ask for what you want, you just might get it. Right, And that's the most important thing. If you truly want something, you ask for it. And that goes for anything. From I got my first writing gig by calling up a magazine and asking if I could have a writing gig. You don't ever really want to shy away from asking for what you want, no matter how terrifying it is that you're risking rejection. Yeah, once you learn that um, rejection won't kill you, life is a lot easier. You don't get what you want all the time, but, it, you know, at least you know you won't die. Rejection is simply the act of somebody telling you that everything that you put your heart, soul, and mind into is worthless. <laughs> <laughs> and realizing that, therefore, that person is worthless uh, is exactly. fine. Fuckers. Fuckers. Tell you what, let's take a break. We selected some very special uh, troll music just for you, Reverend Jen, and have some pizza. I'm looking at you. You're wasting away to nothing. So very, good. Very concern- concerned about you. And uh, we'll come back. We'll talk about uh, pizza and trolls and elves and uh, your most recent museum experience. I love this right. pizza. It's the Mike and Judy show here <laughs> on the Heritage Radio Network. Let's take a quick break. This is it. Thank you. Say, 
This special program was brought to you by TechServe, New York's premier authorized Apple reseller and service provider, serving creative professionals at all levels, from individual customers to Fortune 100 companies. TechServe has built a solid reputation in their expertise in technology, sales, and service. Visit them on the web at techserve.com or in New York City at 119 West 23rd Street. Learn more about their in-store classes and incredible insider program. Make stuff happen. TechServe. I'm so excited that TechServe is our sponsor because I just bought an iPad Mini there the other day. That was so exciting! It's like it was like Christmas Day for you. It was so it was so exciting, and I bought a lamp on the same day, but not a TechServe. <laughs> I love TechServe. We have the, like the cutest little helper. The people there are like all those little twenty year old tattooed geeks, or yeah, they're just adorable and smart and helpful. Yeah, unlike at the Apple Store where they're kind of dicks. <laughs> um. Back to the museum experience. Speaking, Rever- of, speaking of dicks. Speaking of dicks. Speaking of dicks. Yeah, I would have commented on TechServe, but my mouth was full of this delicious <laughs> pizza. <laughs> Which mm. compares favorably to the pizza at uh, Don Michele in, in Napoli. In Napoli, in yeah. Europe. Mm. I, I got to tell you, you know, I, I love, you know, Napoli is so great. It's like this big, sprawling ghetto. Of all the places I've been in Italy, it's a place that's got the most energy like New York City. It reminded me of Mexico City a little bit. It's coming out of the train station. I mean, cars are whizzing by, Vespas, motorbikes. Everybody's completely fucking insane and there aren't a lot of tourists because, you know, it's got the reputation of being like the capital of crime, you know, in, our, in Italy and it's too far south and, you know, there's, there's kind of, there's a bit of a class system in Italy. I mean, people really, the northerners really look down on the southerners and of course, I, I loved it. And let me tell you, for six bucks, you can get yourself a pizza and a beer. Wait, northerners look down on southerners? That doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> like um, Florida deserves our disdain. So does Texas, at least. Um, so wait, so you just had a bad experience working at the Tenement Museum. And my sister worked in museums for years, and they are they are pretty fucked up organizations. So tell tell our listeners what happened with you. The okay. Tenement Museum. Humph, I say. I say. I got to pay 20 bucks to look at the apartment I lived in in 1984. Well, you know, their tours are good. Their tour guides are great. The idea behind the museum is wonderful. And I think that what what has kept it going is that the tours are good. However, I had worked there for 12 years, loyally working every holiday, not seeing my family during the holidays, because they kept me at a basically... Um, 35 hours a week, so I got no health insurance, no dental, no sick days, no vacation days, and then for no reason whatsoever, about a month and a half ago, two months ago, they fired me, and then denied my unemployment insurance. So I have 80 cents in the bank, people. Woo! Thank God for this free pizza. But it's more than that. It's just cold-blooded shit, you know, that this museum, I mean, the way it it went down and the way it happened, you, you had to work there. And you are a great representative of the Lower East Side. I mean, it's, it's your home. I mean, you're, you're there. The, the new you're, not, you're, not, you're not some dilettante down, downtown, or you're, you're the person who should be working there. Exactly. I live on that street. It's my home, and it's been my home longer than I was born and raised in Silver Spring, Maryland. I have lived on Orchard Street longer than I lived in Maryland. It is my home, and I know... A, Ton. I'm not going to say everything about the neighborhood, but I know a lot about the neighborhood, and I enjoyed imparting information about the neighborhood to tourists who 
I actually am one of those weird people that genuinely likes talking to people from <laughs> me too to tourists. It's like they their their joy and excitement over being in New York is reflective of how wonderful it is to be in New York. Yeah, and it sort of it sort of makes you remember why you live here. I agree. It's great to see New York through someone else's eyes once in a while. But I no. think also the Tenement Museum could be important because I think a lot of the assholes who live here now don't know how poor people live, no including us currently. Like it, you know, not that I'm poor, but like they don't know what it's like to live in an unrated renovated apartment without stainless steel appliances and a Juliet oh, balcony that. and, you know, Juliet balcony. The worst stupid What is thing. that? It's like a balcony that's useless. They use it to get more. <laughs> Unless you're going to kill yourself. It's like, not so Shakespearean and wonderful. Well, then it's useful. <laughs> Wait, you can kill yourself off? Only if you're like the fourth or fifth floor or oh, above. Okay. I don't think you're going to kill yourself. Well, I'm, yeah, 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 leaping off of a <laughs> fire escape on Orchard Street. I'm a six-floor walk-up lady. Oh, you can easily kill yourself. You, you I, could die just walking up those <laughs> stairs. I almost did. So in my apartment, I've survived two fires and one steam pipe explosion. Oh None of God. the fires were started by me. They <laughs> both started one on the fourth floor, one on the fifth floor. One was yuppies cooking at like 1 a.m. Another was... Uh, Damn them and their late night lifestyles, yeah. these yuppies. Well, they don't drink and cook at 1 a.m., you know. That time, <laughs> I had my dog, my chihuahua, and instead of putting her logically in the dog bag, I jumped out on the fire escape and I had one hand on the fire escape and one hand on my dog and I knew okay. that if any point I let go of the fire escape or my dog, there would be death. And that was scary. And then the steam pipe explosion was really bad. It destroyed all of my electronic equipment. <laughs> and many of my paintings. And a lot of stuff. But that's bohemian life for you. And <laughs> <laughs> New York glamour. Bohemian it's life. It's all just like sex in the city. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? Tourists like hearing these stories about bohemian life on the Lower East Side for me. Y'all pay how much for that apartment? <laughs> you know what you get in Texas for that apartment? Well, so, so you've been on Orchard Street for, for you know, I mean, decades. Anyway, like, I've lived in New York City for 30, 30 years. Longer than I've lived anywhere else, certainly. And it's fucking changed. What, what is it that keeps you here? Personally, I'd like to get the fuck out. After a month in Italy, it's like I'm starting to hate it from scratch. So I've still got some time. I've kind of, like, reset, mm. reset the needle to zero. What keeps me here is the inability to get the fuck out. And having a cat and a dog and a best friend and a boyfriend and a roommate. Everything that I love with my soul is in New York. And also, I love New Yorkers. Are there any left? There are a few, and they're worth staying here for. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> I think people will get pushed out soon enough. It's it's sad, but... Uh... Well, this is turning into a sort of, like, tragic comic optimist... <laughs> show of some sort. I'm going to start crying at any second. Well, I think we should all move to, like, I don't know, Tennessee and start a little community called Art City. Just <laughs> all the cool New Yorkers. We rent a big bus and just all go down there. And how long before that turns into Lord of the Flies? Yeah. I, I give it to, like, Maryland. <laughs> We're already in Lord of the Flies. Are you kidding? I feel like Simon in Lord of the Flies. <laughs> Where, where can, are are your books still in print? I know BDSM one hundred and one is probably available on Amazon, right? Oh yeah, they're all over. And Scott, the Skyhorse, they did a nice job of this book. It looks terrific, Jen. I gotta say, it looks really good. Look, there's a so, picture of a sandwich in here, which is 
you know, for, for me, sandwich and sex really is can't get better than that. Well, the picture of the sandwich is because I talk about different BDSM lifestyles, right? You can have a casual BDSM relationship, but then there's one that I have renamed. It's normally called 24-7 relationship. I have renamed it along with my friend Faceboy, who actually endured this, a can I just have a sandwich relationship where you just want to have a sandwich, mm-hmm. not on your sub's back. <laughs> you just want like a normal day. <laughs> yeah, you just want to eat off of a plate and a table and not off of someone's ass. So, <laughs> so picky. Like, can I just have a sandwich? For, now it's just simply the sandwich relationship. Aristocrats. <laughs> right. So, so uh, you're, doing, you're promoting the BDSM 101 book. You're having some parties. You're doing your anti-slam. Where can, mm-hmm. we, where can we come see Reverend Jen? You can see me every Wednesday, 8 p.m. at Old Man Hustle, this tiny little bar that's at 39 Essex Street. Super fun. It's my regular old open mic. I've been hosting it for 18 years on the Lower East Side, and it's a great little venue, really fun. I really I saw Old Man Hustle written, and I thought it was like a thing that people did. Oh, he's doing the Old Man Hustle mm-hmm. again. Like, well, there's lots of, there are some old men there, yeah. and sometimes their nuts come swinging out. <laughs> Who's, who's coming to the open mics? Start. I remember back in the day, it was pretty much all over the map. I mean, some pretty pretty bad comedians and some pretty uh, quite brilliant performance artists. Artists, yeah. and people just making a mess, and some people just sort of like getting out there and doing it for the you know one shot. You know, curiosity seekers to see if they had the metal to do it. It was good. It was always 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 a good time. It's becoming more performance oriented, I think, uh, because of the small venue that there's less like. I'm going to get a comedy deal out of this or I'm going to get a TV show out of this. It's less careerist than it's ever been. It's That's kind good. of the people who gave up and those are the most talented people. <laughs> and the other place you can see me is in a movie that I wrote. My first feature-length film is going to make it to the big screen. It's called Satan Hold My Hand. And uh, if you check the website, satanholdmyhand.com, it's directed by my boyfriend, Courtney Fathom Cell. You will find some information about it. Our premiere has gotten a little bit messed up. We're not sure exactly where it's premiering, but we do know it's going to premiere Friday, August 30th, somewhere on the Lower East Side. It stars Janine Garofalo, Robert Pritchard from Toxic Avenger and Class of Newcomb High, Faceboy, me, uh, Raina Terra, Scooter Pie, Angry Bob from Bored to Death, tons of great people, and... I have to say, it's very fucking funny. I can't wait. <laughs> well, you got to come back. We'll promote that. You are the Cecil B. DeMille of <laughs> Cecil B. Demented. <laughs> um, we have a we have a special event coming up too. It's gonna. This is our 99th show. Can you believe it, Judy? Wow. I know. Next week is our hundredth show. Wow. I can't believe you guys and had me on my on your 99th. I feel so unspecial. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you can come back again next week. Okay. It's on book. <laughs> nice. And uh, everybody who's uh, in Mike and Judy land, uh, tune in. We're going to have a party, I think. Right, Judy, to celebrate the 100th? It's going to be like... Yeah, we might have a party. I don't know. Yeah, what do you think? I don't know. Could it be like by Bar Mitzvah with a really bad band and a bunch of like... Break dancing? Ooh, a bunch of Jews with gold chains. I love the bar mitzvah thing where they hire the, the whores to go out to the tables and encourage people to dance. <laughs> oh, oh they're, they're called uh, motivators. I love that. They're called motivators. I never knew that I just, this year. I just learned it last year at my... Um, Nephew's uh, bar mitzvah, which was kind of like a pep rally for a third world dictator, you know, for like the boy king, giant jumbotrons, and Did, you, know, you know, it was insanity. It wasn't like when I had the Barry Herman Orchestra, you know, oh. it was like a little losing saxophone combo that my algebra teacher 
He's glad to you ran. And, you know, they um, did the twist. And, you know, I think the hustle was probably old by then, but they were still working it pretty hard. Anyway, Judy, I can't believe I'm back. So good to see you. Reverend Welcome Jen, we love home. you. So good to see you. Thank you. Uh, we're going to come see you uh, down at the Old Man Hustle. Can't wait for your movie. Uh, once again, it's been the fastest 30 minutes on the internet. Thank you to Dedrick, our fill-in engineer. Awesome job, dude. Great pizza here in New York. Love it. We'll see you guys next week for our 100th show. Thanks for having me, you guys. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.